Today's episode of Stories of 29 is sponsored by a brand I'm so glad to have recently discovered, Estrid. As Scandinavia's first razor brand, which is cruelty-free, fairly priced and celebrates women of all shapes and sizes, I absolutely love that Estrid is spreading joy to millions through the language of body care. I'm also a big fan of their partnership with the Fawcett Society, the UK's leading membership charity campaigning for gender equality and women's rights. Head to estrid.com and enter the code STORIESOF29 at checkout to donate an extra £1 to the Fawcett Society. I moved because of the job, but the job was only meant to last one week. And so my dad was like, hold on, you're moving to a different country for one week of work. Like, what are you going to do for the other 51 weeks of the year? And I was just like, I don't know, I'll figure it out. And that figuring out process changed my life. Hello, hello, lovely listeners, and welcome back to Stories of 29. I'm very sad to say that this is going to be my last episode for a while as our season draws to a close. Very sad, I know, but I couldn't think of anyone better to close the series with than Marvel superstar and old-time bestie, Greg Sulkin. Having played roles in global hits like Marvel's Runaways and Pretty Little Liars, Greg credits Disney and his role opposite Selena Gomez in Wizards of Waverly Place as opening the doors for him. In fact, it was this opportunity that made him choose 2009 and the age of 17 as his most pivotal year. For new listeners, that's the fifth person out of seven, including me, that also chose that year. Originally from London, in 2009, Greg moved to the United States to pursue what was on the surface a two-week job, but it blossomed into the impressive career that he has today. He's won a Teen Choice Award, been nominated for a People's Choice Award and has acted alongside Helena Bonham Carter, Selena, of course, and Catherine Tate, to name a few. As well as acting, Greg has started a YouTube channel with his friend and has begun expressing an interest in producing and also, oddly, the stock trade. We chat about everything from behind the scenes at Disney, love of dogs, accents, life across the pond and much, much more. Greg and I go way back and he's dialing in from the States. So let's get cracking. Hey, Greg. Hi, Pix. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. Thank you. How are you? This is a perfect excuse to catch up. Aside from doing a podcast, <laughs> it's just to hear your voice. I know. Do you know, it's actually really good because obviously I've, for the listeners listening in, I've known Greg for years. I think maybe you were 14 and I was 15. Does that sound about yeah. right? I mean, yeah, I was young. I know that. I had a, I had a dodgy haircut when I met you. I remember that. <laughs> I've known Greg for years, but this is going to be very interesting because hopefully I can find out some little facts that I didn't know before as we get into the details. <laughs> oh, boy. I'm going to get myself in trouble, I think, after this. <laughs> so, Greggy, what is the year that you would say, Greg, is your most memorable, most pivotal in your life? And let's delve into that year. Oh, boy. Um, I definitely think it was when I was 17. It was when I officially, I think I met you when I was 15, but I think it's when I was 17, I officially moved to the, the United States. I had left school. I didn't completely qualify. I did my GCSEs. They weren't great. <laughs> I decided to go and try and get my A-levels and emphasis on the word try because I, after the first year, 
they basically told me, uh, like, look, you're going to have to give up acting. Obviously, that's all you're focusing on because your results are terrible. <laughs> and at the time, they wanted me to retake my first year of my A-levels. And I didn't really agree with what the headmaster said. So I sort of mm. got up and left and told him that I won't be returning to the school. Meanwhile, my dad was like, okay, well, you just basically quit school. I have tried to put you through education. Now, what are you going to do? And so it was that point in my life where, you know, I didn't have a job. I didn't have real income coming in. I didn't have an actual plan. I had a dream and a, and, and a vision and a, and a hope, to be honest, but I didn't have an actual like hardcore plan. Mm. So then thankfully I got uh, offered an audition in the United States, which was on the Disney channel on a show called Wizards of Waverly Place. And I was meant to do one episode on the show. I mean, I will get into it later, but it turned into like two and a half years on the show. We were so, so, so excited when you got that role. But I can't remember, did you move to LA before you got the job or did you move because of the job after you got the job? I moved because of the job, but the job was only meant to last one week. And so my dad was like, hold on, you're moving to a different country for one week of work. Like, what are you going to do for the other 51 weeks of the year? Mm. And I was just like, I don't know, I'll figure it out. And that figuring out process changed my life because it wasn't just the industry aspect that I had to tackle, which was obviously going into one of the most competitive industries, I would say, in the world. It's not just that. It's I'm 17 years old. I'm still a boy at the end of the day. Mm. I'm in a country where I know no one. I've never lived alone. I love my parents. They absolutely were so supportive of me. But like I hadn't really done much by myself. And the sad thing is, I mean, I'm getting better, but the sad thing is like even today, like I'm terrible at cooking. I'm terrible at baking. Greg, I'm exactly the same. Right? It's hard. (laughs) Which is bad. I don't know why that is. That's strange that we're both like that. But you, you, did you live on your own or did you move in with someone? No, I lived on my own. And I think that was the really... It's a very bold, brave move though for a 17-year-old. Really bold. And thankfully, I did have the support of my parents and especially my mum. But the support system via FaceTime is very different than the support system in in person. Right. I think I got fortunate in the sense of I played sports when I was younger. Mm-hmm. So I, I used to play for like West Ham Academy and QPR and yes. um, yeah, you and I, and I forgot, <laughs> but it was one of those situations where sports taught me discipline. And then when having, having discipline in LA really helped because there are so many temptations, there are so many distractions, there are so many paths that you can go down. Yeah. So I feel like then was always the one thing that sort of grounded me. Then on top of that, I met David Henry, who was on Wizards of Waverly Place. David definitely took me under his wing. And I'm really fortunate for that because, you know, having basically an older brother in LA was something that I think a lot of people need. And I got fortunate enough to have David sort of take me under his wing, introduce me to good people. So I got fortunate on on the friendship side of things. I also got fortunate on the work side of things regarding continuing to work and continuing to keep busy. And thankfully the writers and the showrunners. Yeah. How did that, how did that week stint turn into like two and a half years or however long it was? I mean, it's a really good question. And it's that, that week changed my life truly like that time in LA when I was 17 years old, going to the wizard set for the first time, working with Selena, Gomez, who at the time was completely taking off and becoming who she yeah. is today, which 
biggest pop stars in the world. Yeah. You know, having thankfully that week, I just sort of tried to do my job. Like I just try to be polite to people. I just try to be respectful to people. I knew it wasn't my show and I knew I was coming in as a guest. And so I just wanted to make sure that I was early to set. Yeah. I didn't cause any problems. I was just grateful to be there, grateful to have the opportunity. And then thankfully genuine friendships came of that. Like Amazing. thankfully Selena really liked to have me on the show. Uh, and I'll always be forever grateful to her for that. Yeah. Uh, because so goes the, the Wizards of Waverly Place went, I think, to like 137 territories around the world. Wow. That must have just like changed your life like instantly. I, like when you film the episodes, how long is it till they get aired? Well, I think Wizards was a quick turnaround in the sense of it's such a well-oiled machine. I think the Disney Channel in itself is such a well-oiled machine. But I think after we shot, I think they really liked me ha- they really liked having me on the show and they thought that they could potentially do more so that they they called me back a few weeks later to do another episode mm-hmm. so at first they invited me back based on their experience with me and then i think once the show then aired which was like 6 weeks later or 7 weeks later mm-hmm. and the ratings and uh, the ratings continued to increase and fans really responded to uh, Selena and I's on-screen relationship mm. the fans went wild for it and then after that the showrunners were like oh okay great our lead actress likes working with this guy the fans like this guy being with our lead actress let's continue having him back and then obviously they saw my friendship with david which was turning into a genuine one mm-hmm. so they had a series regular actually sort of get on with me so i just and then jennifer stone and david and maria and jake it's like they all became actual friends of mine too so it became Amazing. Yeah, it became just a really lovely experience. But yeah, it changed it changed my life from going from a boy from London who went to Highgate School to then suddenly a kid who was on probably the arguably, apart from maybe Hannah Montana, or they're probably equal, probably the biggest Disney Channel show in the last fifteen years. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Did you see that sort of happening? Like first of all, it was just like a, a few episodes and then it went into loads more. Did you hope for that? Did you manifest that? Or do you think that you went with the flow and it happened? Oh, I'm a big believer in like manifestation. So I, I, I don't know if I completely manifested it, but I definitely dreamt about it, believed that it, that it would happen and fully and believed it, it would happen. And it did. And I think that there, there's something to be said about the power of the mind, the power of belief, the power yeah. of faith. That was 2009, which for me was my most transformative year too. So we had that in common. But for you, how did your life and career, how was it different after that pivotal year? Well, my life was definitely different because in person, I would definitely notice it because I'd walk into a shop and people would ask for photos. I would go to restaurants people would ask for photos and always I was with David because David became my best friend. So then we, there were two of us from the same show. Mm. So as soon as they recognized David, then they recognized me. And so my life style changed in the sense of like, Oh, I actually have eyeballs on me for the first time in my life. Like I should probably uh, behave myself. (laughs) So it, it definitely changed my life in the sense of I had to grow up really quickly because I was working at the end of the day and had been given an incredible opportunity by a company that does have a morality clause in all their contracts. And so I knew that everywhere I went, 
my reputation obviously was important. The way I treated people was important. Mm-hmm. So that I think kept my feet on the ground with regards to like my life. Mm-hmm. But then on the career side of things, it definitely opened up doors. The show had just won an Emmy. Like I said, the, the power of the Disney Channel and the power of that specific mm-hmm. show so many places around the world. So it wasn't just in America that my life would change. I went to Brazil with David a year or two after I was on the show to begin with. We did like a mission trip where it was, it was incredible. I went to Brazil and Peru. And when we went to Brazil, we had to have police guards sort of like accompany us everywhere we went. There were people chasing us down the street. And and that was when I realized, oh, wow, this show really is huge. This show the fan base around the world is massive. So I would say socially it changed my life because I was meeting people potentially in LA that sort of knew me before I knew them. And that's always interesting. Well, they have a preconceived idea of you before you even shake their hand and say hello. But yeah, that's the thing. I mean, when you, when you're part of a show like Wizards of Waverly Place, it's a global thing. It's so amazing. So will you always like have the Disney Channel in your heart? Will you always credit them as like believing in you first and giving you this, all these opportunities that you have now? Always. There's a woman. Well, there's two people. Well, there's three people actually, but one in particular really shaped my career. And her name is Judy Taylor. Mm-hmm. Judy's found people such as Selena and Miley and Demi and pretty much anyone who's walked through the Disney Channel doors, mm-hmm. which are located in Burbank. She's been incredible. And so every time I drive past the building, I always shoot her uh, an email. And I say, hey, just passed you, thinking of you. Aww. Wouldn't be here without So there was Judy Taylor. There was Gary Marsh, who also had my back and supported me. And then there was Adam Bonnet, too, who uh, also worked at the Disney Channel. So, yeah, I just got, I think, just fortunate in the sense that people at the channel believed in me. Yeah. And would you like to work with them again in the future? I mean, look, I, it's weird in the sense that I then went, you know, I did a small stint on Pretty Little Liars. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I then, over the last three years, have basically all continuing to work for the, for the Disney brand, which was because I did a Marvel show, which is, and, and Disney owned Marvel. Oh, I didn't so realize I feel- Disney owned Marvel. So you are still working with them then? Yeah, not the channel, but, a, but I guess a branch of Disney. And obviously Disney owned Hulu. They also own ESPN. They now own, uh, there was a Fox merger recently. Wow. Disney, they're, they're so, so, so powerful. And so, yeah. look, there, there are people on the channel that I know, obviously I'm not going to mention their names, that I've spoken to them and they seem not too happy or not too grateful with the opportunity that Disney Channel provided them. However, me, I can only speak on behalf of me. Yeah. Like one, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing without them. Two, they gave me my start in the US. And three, to, to, to have that fan base, and it's such a loyal fan base, follow you over a decade. Like, I can only be so grateful that that happened to me, right? I mean, there's thousands, hundreds of thousands, potentially even millions of people who want to be on the Disney Channel. And the mm-hmm. fact that I was able to be one of those people, like, I, how could I ever... I think my parents, my dad would hit me, my mom would slap me. So, uh, <laughs> you know, if I ever, if I ever thought of myself bigger than the Disney Channel, because to be honest, if you look at all of, I mean, Selena's incredibly talented, but I also think that she is where she is today. Uh, a big part of that is because of the, the huge platform and the huge support that Disney Channel gave her. Definitely. And and it's a, it, it is a really loyal fan base, right? When you still have followers that have supported you from 
from the wizards days, right? It's, it's, for example, I just did a YouTube video with David Henry and we've actually got a YouTube video coming out with another cast member in the very near future. But that video of just David and I watching old clips got two and a quarter million views. You know, that just shows that that's on, on a platform that I very rarely post on, you know, and I'm not familiar really with the YouTube world. I'm getting more into it, but at this stage, I'm not really that familiar with the YouTube platform. And I don't think the YouTube fan base is really that familiar with me. So to get two and a quarter million views uh, on a platform that I'm new on just shows the power of that show. Even a decade later, you know, the, the people love the, you know, the, the nostalgia of it. That is absolutely amazing. Okay, so Gregster, so that is your pivotal year and how you all started out. But I wanted to ask you a few questions because obviously you became an American citizen in, it was 2018. Yes. So I remember this because you had a little celebration at your house. So you are... British and American. And also, you, with your characters, you play British and you play American characters. So you sort of do it in real life and in your acting. But do you feel like you're pulled between the two? I feel when the World Cup's on, I feel 100% English. <laughs> like when it comes to football, that is when I feel my most, I guess, English, so to speak. You love your football, uh, don't you? I love it. I love it. There's nothing like a, a World Cup. I mean, London is an incredible place. It's a very multicultural mm. city, multicultural society. And I love that about London. And I think it, it's a city that sort of makes you sink or swim, right? Yeah. It's a little bit like New York. And I love that about London. But I also love America. I love what it offers. I mean, look, there are definitely some uh, flaws in this country. But I also think that it's, a, it's an incredible country. It's a beautiful country. Mm-hmm. There are tons of opportunity here. And so I, I, I love both countries, to be honest. Are you 50-50, would you say? I would say I'm 51-49, and <laughs> that's more, more towards England. Woohoo! We got an extra 1%. <laughs> you miss hearing the accents? No. <laughs> I speak to my mum, dad, and brother every day, and my mum oh, like yeah. four times a day, so I hear it, right? Yeah, that's true. That's true. I did actually want to talk to you about accents, Greg, because I I did a, a few, I recorded a couple of self tapes recently where I had to do an American accent. And I've ha- I've had to watch my accent recently because I think sometimes like I flick in and out. And I remember when we were back in the day, I remember you learning to do the American accent because you're starting to do your auditions and stuff. And I think once you get like proper stuck into auditions, you have to have a really good American accent, don't you, to audition for all like the networks and stuff. And you were doing some dialect coaching, I think. And I remember you having, did you have a cork under your tongue? Is that right? Or have I just made that up? No, I did. I did. So basically, as Londoners, we talk very different than Americans. And that's mostly due to the placement of our tongue and how tight our jaw is compared to an American placement of the tongue so to speak so americans have a much flatter tongue and oh. and sort of speak more with the back of their throat we use our lips a lot like we're very like in the front of our mouth like when we talk so it's just sort of adjusting the placement and trying to train your tongue to go in certain positions on certain vowels and certain words and 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 letters to this day i definitely still practice like at this stage although it's uh you know we're in 2020 and can't really go anywhere physically i've been doing a lot of like virtual classes just to keep you know ticking over because it's just so at the end of the day 
Yeah, definitely. Do you ever do auditions where you walk in and you pretend you're American before you do the scene? Yeah, when I got my Marvel show, the head of Marvel at the time, uh, I went in as an American. It was it was testing. I was testing in front of like 15 people, some network executives, some people from Marvel, the showrunners, the director. And so I went in as an American. And then as I left, I I was walking out and they go, hey, actually, where are you from? And I was like, I'm from London. And I just remember seeing the head of Marvel's face at the time being <laughs> like, wow, like I just got blindsided. Ooh, and I yeah. think he was impressed by that. And I think that he's the type of character that doesn't get blindsided too often. And yeah. I think that was a big part of why I got the role in the oh. sense that obviously I was the right look or the right feel yeah. or the right essence. But I think the fact that I sort of tricked them, I that's think so that they cool. actually secretly responded to that. Yeah. I mean, that's a good little tip. I love that. And do you think that, have you done theatre? I have never done theatre and that's something that I would like to do, but later on in my career, because I think it's a whole different skill. It's a whole different ball game. I think I, I respect theatre actors so much. Mm-hmm. I think that it's a lot harder to do things live and in one take. I mean, I know you did this. I mean, you, you told me your experience and you obviously said it was it was rewarding, but also very hard. Yeah. You know, to do how many shows were you doing in a week? Six? Oh my gosh. Like, you know, I've completely forgotten. How many shows? I think it was eight shows a week, was it? Yeah, eight shows a week. Yeah. That's, it's, I mean, it's hard. You know, mm-hmm. I, I know that after doing a scene X amount of time, you know, it's it's hard for an actor. So I can only, I, that's why I have so much respect for theatre actors yeah. because they got to do it week in, week out. It's, it's um, just such in. different like techniques and two like different skills. I feel like because I've got more experience in that zone than the TV and film zone, which obviously you have loads of experience in. And I find it weird to get my head around like because obviously when you do a play, it's all chronological and it all goes in order, so you can really get into the character and, and the journey, and you go with the story. So when those climaxes happen, you can really get into it and go into it, and then. Like, I don't know when it's TV and film. Sometimes you just have to go in cold and there's this crazy dramatic scene where you have to like cry your eyes out. And I just think, wow, how do you just like get into that character just cold? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and that's exactly, it's a completely different beast. You, yeah. when you're on set, it's, it's, you've got to be able to do things on cue, Yeah, but in a sort of different way. I know you've got to do things on cue when you're, when you're on stage, but it's a little bit different because you have a bit of momentum from a previous scene. Yeah. Whereas, you know, when you're doing TV and film, you've, you know, you've just had lunch, you know, you, you've been talking about other things, the yeah. cameras have been getting, you, you know, you're talking about one subject and then three minutes later, you're bawling your eyes out on, yeah. on, on camera. So it's not, it's not easy, but I think that like anything with, with practice and confidence and belief and, and then at the end of the day, just letting go. I think you can achieve it. Yeah, totally. Gregster, with auditions and things, because it says here that if you had to give advice to someone, it would be to relax. Can you like add some more onto that? Is that a philosophy that you maintain throughout your life? Have you always lived your life like that? Or is that just more like in the audition room? And when you go into the audition room, do you feel like you've already got the job before you've done the audition or is there like a a little technique that you use I think the reason why I tell people to relax is because like over the last decade I've realized that no matter how good your performance can be 
or how flawless your performance can be, at the end of the day, it's not in your hands, right? You're an actor going into a room and there's producers and directors and potentially a studio or network or streamers that have basically the say, and sometimes you're not the right look or sometimes you're not the right essence. And so the reason why I say the best advice I would give is to relax is because one, you only get one life. And there's no point stressing about something that, yes, you have control in the sense of how good your performance is. But once you're done with the audition, I mean, there's really no point in stressing about it because you can't change the outcome. And I think going into it too, I think that when somebody's relaxed, it shows that they're calm. It shows that they're confident. Mm. And I know from being on the other side a couple times in casting rooms, you can really feel that energy. When someone's calm, you are then calm watching them whereas if somebody comes in like a bundle of nerves which is natural because i've been there and i think every actor has been has been there and obviously the more the bigger the opportunity at stake you know you feel that as an actor especially when you go to test for something right you you sign the contract before you go in it's down to you and two other guys or two other girls or whatever and you know that's not easy you sign the contract you see how much money you can potentially earn and that's not easy just to forget about, right? Like, so it is a, it's, 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 it's like an athlete at the end of the day, you've got to remain calm in, in all moments. And especially the more, the more crucial the moment, the more you have to stay calm. So I think it's just a matter of just trying to relax, trying to let your work speak for itself. And the more you relax, the more you can let your work speak for itself. So I think that's, that's why to stay calm is, 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 important but i but i feel it and i know that over the last decade when i first went into auditions i was probably a bundle of nerves i know i felt like a bundle of nerves whereas now those nerves have sort of transitioned into more creative energy mm-hmm. and and just you know try and turn those nerves into belief yeah self-belief is very important very good advice for aspiring actors greg i always do like a little quick fire question at the end well it's not a quick fire because you can you can talk as much as you want but um these are questions that i ask every guest that comes on the show so greg i wondered do you have a morning routine i think i remember you saying that is really important to make your bed in the morning i do make my bed in the morning (laughs) i think it's important yeah i like to well now my morning routine has changed because i fostered a dog and so as soon as i wake up my mindset goes to her rather than uh rather than me. I wanted to ask you about the fostering a dog. How does that work? I didn't even know that you could do that. Yeah, so basically there are like animal shelters that do an incredible job and they look after animals that don't have homes. And so you can sort of help the animal shelter out by fostering for a certain period of time. Sometimes the fostering pro, the, the fostering then turns into adopting if you either fall in love with the animal and you can take care of it. Um, in my case, I don't know really what I'm going to do because – the, the dog that I fostered is nine years old and Have she's had a bit of a hard life. She's, she's unbelievable, right? But it's also making sure that I'm being fair to the animal in the sense that I, I you know, now obviously in quarantine, it's a, li- it's a little bit different because I do have more time to be at home. But like as soon as the industry picks back up, I want to make sure that that dog is taken care of and has love. Like mm-hmm. I can't just like abandon the dog while I'm at set and sets often don't allow yeah. dogs to be that for just legal reasons in case they like bite anyone or etc cetera, etc cetera. so it's uh it's just a matter of i just wanted to help out the dog was meant to be put down last week and oh. so i just thought you know, i want to try and 
take the dog, protect the dog. I just got the dog, like, mm-hmm. apparently it's the most clinically proven bed that helps with senior dogs, like helps with their joints and stuff. So I just want to help uh-huh. and so whatever yeah. happens to her, you know, I just want to make sure that she's comfortable and happy and loved, you know, because so many animals don't get that. Oh, you're a hero, Greg. That's so lovely. <laughs> I don't know about that. I think the shelters are the heroes. Those guys do an unbelievable job. That's brilliant. I really want to foster a dog. I'm going to look into that. Yeah. So so your morning routine has changed because you're looking after your dog. But do you, when you wake up, you make your bed, do you check your social media? Do you have a shower straight away? Or do you go and watch TV, have a cup of coffee? Do, what do you do that sort of like sets you up for the day, that empowers you for the day? and makes you productive. I know that you love working out. Yes. I try to work out definitely in the morning. I also, over the last year, have sort of taken an interest into uh, the stock market. So Ooh, That's great. Uh, so I've been, I've been, obviously, as soon as you get up, especially in LA, the market has been normally going for a couple of hours. So sometimes I get up when the market opens just to check how the market opens. But a lot of the time, I'm, I'm interested in the stock market as soon as I wake up. Wow. But, you know, yeah, definitely try and get up, get out of bed, make the bed, sort of get on with the day. That's the – try and have a healthy breakfast. That's that's the goal. And what's the get up, get out, get healthy? Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, so basically I like two years ago I was in Alabama and I went for a run and I was just at the point in my life where I'd been on social media for a certain amount of years and it felt pretty – just unfulfilling mm-hmm. and sort of self-absorbed, which it is. Yeah. And, and it, well, it is unless you sort of change the narrative. And so I just wanted to use my platform for good. And I went for a run and I thought to myself, you know what, today I'm actually just going to make it less about me and just more about the people watching. And so I was like, guys, today, uh, you know, I decided to get up and get out and get healthy. And I said it and I didn't even realize I was saying it. And I was, at the time I was like, oh, wait, like, I, could, I could continue saying that. And I think people will catch on. And so thankfully, I've been sort of encouraging my followers to, to continue building our community of just sort of, you know, inspiring people to become the best and healthiest version of themselves. And, and I don't, and it's not about like how you look. It's just more about like how you feel. I want people to feel the best version of themselves. And especially in a time like this when, you know, a lot of people have lost their jobs and they're worrying and they're stressing and don't know what's around the corner. I think just checking in every day uh, and doing some physical activity can put people with the right mindset and decrease stress and, and, Mm. you know, uh, release endorphins in their body so that they're happier. So um, that's what I've been, I've I've been trying to do. And the community's insane, like insane in a great way. You know, every day I receive messages online and some people have lost. And look, again, it's not so much aesthetics, so to speak. It's more about how people feel. But when people message me and say, hey, I've lost 40 pounds. Hey, I've lost 20 pounds. Hey, I've lost seven pounds. Hey, I've lost three pounds. Hey, I've lost 100 pounds. I feel so good. It then is really, uh, it makes me happy because I feel like I'm actually doing something that is helping other people rather than just sort of like helping myself. That's amazing. That must feel very, very rewarding. Yeah, and it keeps me in check too, you know, the fact that I've planted the seed and then everybody is helping build the community. But I think it's one of those that keeps me in check. It makes sure that, you know, I've got to practice what I preach. Yeah, no, definitely. That's amazing. And you love working out and inspiring people to work out for your body and for the mindset. But is there anything else that you do to keep your mind healthy? Yeah, I mean, I try to stay away from the news, especially in this country. 
Yeah. Um, I get my news from .co.uk. I'm more of a factual sort of... Uh, yeah. I like my facts. I don't really like too many people's opinions. I feel mm. like I get the facts and I'll make my own opinion. Yeah. There's a great Denzel uh, Washington quote and he says, if you don't read the newspaper, you're uninformed. If you do read, read the newspaper, you're misinformed. And so mm. it just is one of those things where, yes, reading the news is obviously very important, but uh, making sure that you're going getting it, the news from the right news source, yeah. I think is crucial because uh sort of negative news and news that has a spin on it for political motive mm-hmm. or political agenda can be extremely harmful and so i like to get my news sort yeah. of fact yeah and then you make your own opinion of it for sure and then what about like do you believe in meditation or therapy or prayer or do you do any things like that i pray i definitely pray I personally believe in God. I, I I find it hard to not believe in God simply because I feel like I have so many thoughts every day, which is like, this is incredible. Or, this world is incredible. It's yeah. it. Humans were so complex. Yeah. The things that we do are so complex. The world is designed in such an incredible way. Mm. Like the ocean and land, the simple yeah. as that and the sky. I don't know. I just, I yes, I, I mean, I could go into it. And obviously everyone has is completely entitled to their opinion because yeah. at the end of the day, I don't know 100 percent the yeah. answer but definitely believe in god yeah so i definitely i definitely pray and i uh, i definitely have faith yeah and uh, i like to meditate and and everyone has different forms of meditation but for me sometimes just sitting in silence just checking in with one how my day went or how my day is going to go mm. you know, taking deep breaths realizing that or try to encourage myself to remember each moment because sometimes my mind works a million miles an hour and I'm always sort of thinking of, uh, you know, thinking creatively or thinking about mm-hmm. different businesses or this or that. And so I like to, and to be honest, Michelle reminds me often, my girlfriend, to just sort of take a deep breath, just check in with myself mm-hmm. and go from there. So meditation is definitely something I like That's to do great. normally twice a day. That's brilliant. And I love what you said earlier as well. You said something about just appreciating the simple things in life, which I think can be so easily forgotten. You can get wrapped up or thinking about what's happening next, but really appreciating the now and the simple things in life and the everyday little magics we need to embrace. Yeah, for sure. I mean, last week, Michelle and I were like the the sheet, the bed sheets were just clean. And so I was helping her put them on and I was like, oh, I mean, this has got to be one of the most tedious things ever. And Michelle looked at me and she goes, no, no, no. She goes, just go in your own mind. Just you pretend you're decorating a sailboat. And I was like, actually, you know what? Yeah. Like we should, we should, we should, we should appreciate this moment, you know, like, yeah. Like at the end of the day, it's a really kind of, I guess, boring task, but not if you don't allow it to be a boring task. Like yeah. if you allow yourself just to just make the choice of, Oh, this is a really fun thing to do actually. Then, you know, you can enjoy the, the, boring the moment so to speak a lot more yeah find joy in those those little moments as well I love that so to close I always ask my guests this one last question if you are to leave a lasting impression on the world what would you like your legacy to be I definitely 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 want to make sure that my kids are raised with like the right values I think that's the most important just to make sure that my kids then go and learn certain values to then go and leave a legacy behind when they eventually hopefully meet me up in heaven. But I think, I think education is really important 
and I think there are so many communities that don't have good facilities or good enough support system. So I think ideally what I would like to do is through success over the years is to definitely give back and give education into certain areas. And I've been working with a couple of uh, charities over the last five years, but it's actually really like, it's extremely sad to see so many communities around the world without clean drinking water and something that I take for granted often. And every day I just go to the tap and I just like fill my glass up with water and drink it. So it's like, I think eventually I would just love to get to a stage in my life where I could give back and, and provide just the basic need right in life of clean drinking water. So I would definitely love, I think my main two goals are give back to communities that need help and obviously raise my kids and make sure they, they know what to pass and they know what to pass on. Amazing, amazing. Thank you so, so, so much, Greggy, for coming on the show. It's been so amazing for me and my family to watch your journey so far. We're all so proud of you and, and excited to see what you do next. And I love you and I love your whole family. And hopefully I'll get to, to see you soon whenever we're allowed back in LA or when you come back over to London. We feel the same way. We love you lots. The sunshine is missing you over here. So <laughs> when you can over. Yeah, defo, Greg. I'll see you very, very soon. Thank you so All much. Right. Stay well. Lots of love. Lots of love. Thank you so, so much for listening. Once again, if you like the show, then please rate, review and subscribe. It helps other people find the show and absolutely makes my day. And finally, a closing thank you to Scandinavian razor brand Estrid. With no animal products in their hydrating strips, Estrid is passionate about working towards a sustainable and kind process for the planet, the wallet and the body. For any and everyone who feels like shaving from time to time, I'd really recommend that you check out their subscriptions of razor blades every one, two or three months. Find out more details by visiting at HeyEstrid on Instagram or Estrid.com online.